I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Take one. Do you want anything from the shop? Hello and welcome to the latest Spool podcast with your hosts, me, Nigel Wheatley and Pork Miko. Hey, Pork. Hi, how's it going? So this month, we're going to take a trip into the 210-minute Martin Scorsese gangster epic, The Irishman. We're going to go through divorce proceedings and Noah Baumbach's marriage story. And we're going to drop into the mountains and the jungles of South America to experience the epic monos. Plus... A few other little things that we saw over the last couple of weeks, which caught our eye. Um, yeah, so I guess we're going to kick off with a film that has gotten a lot of attention over the last probably years. Like, how long have we been hearing about We Paint? Or the, yeah. Is it The Man Who Paints Houses or whatever? I, or The Irishman? Yeah, I hear You Paint Houses kind of based on the novel by Charles Brandt. He wrote the book and Martin Scorsese has called it The Irishman. Although, an interesting point you say when the credits start... It, the Irishman doesn't come up. The road is going and it's like, I hear you paint and houses. And I was like, that's pretty cool. Good opening title scenes. Um, yeah, so everyone's talking about it. As in, it was probably good marketing by Scorsese to launch an all-out attack on Marvel action films and the whole action film universe. In, in, yeah, by accident, I think, in fairness to him. He didn't realise that he was dominating the uh yeah film media and criticism sort yeah. of thing with his with his comments that they are not cinema, cinema. to him yeah I suppose we can touch on that at the end um so then we have kind of all the big hitters in this film we've got robert de niro al pacino joe pesci and to a very lesser extent although important nonetheless anna paquin uh just to kind of give everyone a flavor for the tone and the mood we're going to have a clip that uh, kind of has all these three players together, De Niro, Pesci, and Pacino. Listen, I got that kid I was talking to you about here. I'm going to put him on the phone let you talk to him, okay? Right. Hello? Is that Frank? Yes. Hi, Frank. This is Jimmy Hoffa. Yeah, yeah. Glad to meet you. Well, glad to meet you, too, even if it's over the phone. I heard you paint houses. Yes, yes, sir, I, I do, I do, and I uh, I also do my own carpentry. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, so seemingly the carpentry bit refers to that, like, yeah, he kills people and he also does the clean-up. I read that in a bit of trivia. And apparently, uh, so Al Pacino there is playing Jimmy Hoffa, who I really had no idea of. Um, no, me neither. He, he's seemingly an incredibly big figure in America in the 60s and 70s, uh, or earlier, he was a big union guy, or Teamsters, as it seemingly were called. And he needs the help of uh, Robert De Niro, who plays Frank Sheeran, the Irishman, to help kind of put another union out of business. And then this kind of starts their friendship off. And the kind of linchpin in the whole thing was Joe Pesci, who plays Russell uh, Buffalini, who put these two men in contact with and who by pure chance, well, so the film would have us believe, meet kind of over a broken down truck. And then this sets in motion kind of how their lives kind of progress. Now, as Nigel says, the film is three and a half hours long. In fairness, I didn't look at my watch once. It didn't drag, but it's a lengthy film. And I think it's going to be quite hard to people for people to watch this in one sitting when it's on Netflix in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, no, I would completely agree. The like it's very it's sort of character study level of 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 things that um kinda had me thinking more about um different like it's not the Wolf of Wall Street, Goodfellas, Casino type of editing, frenetic sort of story. It's a bit more like I remember when I saw Mean Streets, um, 
Scorsese's big breakthrough first. Like it's a very slow, talky, mm. contemplative, meditative sort yeah. of film where you just kind of get inside the heads of people and elements of Taxi Driver when you go back to that. Like this is way back to that pace. Um, same editor, obviously that Marty has worked it for a long time, Thelma uh, Shoemaker, but uh, it's it's a, it's an incredible film. Like I can't say I loved it, but I think yeah, you wouldn't change anything in it. Isn't, no, it, isn't that a bit strange? Yeah. Like, I'm not giving it the five. It's a four out of five. Mm. But again, I'm not. It's just, it didn't... Um, didn't disappoint, but to me, there was no, like, emotional... And I'd watch it again. Like, I'd yeah. go... Yeah. There's no real emotional hook or no point where I was on the edge of my seat or... And it, maybe that's the kind of point he's making in the anti-Marvel, you know, it's not cinema. It's not this roller coaster ride. In It's nothing like goodfellas in certain regards there's no showy violence violence happens very plainly and quickly with no big overtures of music it's the real absence it's real matter of fact there's very little music isn't yeah there? yeah and there's no because even when it started you're kind of waiting for that you know scorsese yeah, moment kick where to the, the head or punch the, and the rolling stones to kick in yeah but there's none of that yeah. and like scorsese's last film was silence in 2016 with adam driver and uh, liam neeson around the Jesuits going to Japan, I think. And that whole, so it's much more akin to that and that kind of slower, you know, meditative, as Nigel was saying, kind of study. Um, It's really, it's really enjoyable. And I kind of think about lots of it kind of as the days have gone on. So I think it's something that will definitely stay with you. Yeah. And it's as much about us recognizing potentially the greatest uh, filmmaker of our time and potentially two of the 20th century's greatest actors along and Joe Pesci is one of the greatest yeah. supporting actor mm. uh, people and so I, to get really the three like, of these back on screen yeah it's just phenomenal and obviously the big thing is the the de-aging technology that that's how this film has cost all this money um and why Netflix had to come on board because the funding wasn't there and it mostly works I think what you're seeing is it's not unlike it's not unlike some of this stuff we've seen before, like when we saw in one of the Martin Scorsese's favorites, the Marvel films, um, maybe Captain America, the the second one where Robert Downey Jr. is de-aged. Yeah, and yeah. We see it, Will Smith fights against the younger version of himself. We've seen it, Arnold Schwarzenegger Benjamin against... Button. Yeah, and of course, Benjamin Button taking it to another extreme. But usually, um, you know, it's not often done in, in cinema of this type mm. um, with a, a kind of a such a well-regarded filmmaker but it works it doesn't get in the way yeah you kind of made the point though in the cinema that it's their faces look great and you do kind of really forget very quickly like it's not like we're watching the polar express here but that their bodies don't match their ages and they have weird shoulders at times and it's that kind of old person like i'm like uh de niro kills someone at some point and runs away and it to me it's hard as well to figure out what timeline are we with here are are these guys supposed to be 40 here now or 50 and what age are they when they're doing the road trip because then when so the film starts this isn't a spoiler with de niro in a nursing home so when they're doing the road trip to me de niro's in his it's like present Which day. Which is brilliant. It's a tracking shot, yeah. much like Goodfellas, the way it opens yeah. up with a here's yeah. a cast of characters, but it's in a nursing home. Which and I there's a lot great. of what people might call, I suppose, Tarantino dialogue, especially the whole thing with the fish which I thought is very funny. And there's a lot of humor in the film. Yeah, I think it's, the Tarantino stuff reminded me quite a bit. Some of the car journeys and the conversation um, definitely had me thinking of uh, The Hateful Eight and just that 
you know, there's no music, it drops out, and then yeah. you just pure attention. There's a hit uh, three quarters of the way through where someone you kind of know is doomed, and we, we yeah, it's properly mm. tense. For- and then to me, my favorite kind of performance is it was Joe Pesci, because I think people, he's, it took him an incredible amount of time to be convinced to do the role. Um, I don't know if people remember Louis C.K.'s uh, TV film or TV show, Harrison Pete. He was supposed to be the original um, uncle behind the bar, but he was just like, no, I'm not doing it. So Alan Alda uh, stepped in. Alan Alda. And uh, so it, it took a lot of convincing for Joe Pesci to do this. And I think because of the style of the film, people were maybe thinking like, oh, brilliant. It's going to be like Goodfellas. But he's so reserved and he's so quiet and he's ultimately way scarier. Like the thing, there's a thing where he realizes um, Peggy Sherman, who's played by Anna Paquin when she's growing up, kind of can sense that he's this evil guy and she doesn't trust him and doesn't like him and there's a weird dynamic there where you're like Jesus there's something going to happen between the two of them like I was full suspecting for Joe Pesci to kill her at some point or you know there's that unease just kind of bubbling there the whole time yeah no definitely anyway highly recommended please please see it in cinema um, or if you're forced to end up uh, watching this at home set it up create an event out of the whole thing leave the phone put the phone in the bathroom lock the door um, get turn the lights down. Get yourself a drink. Makes a bit of popcorn. Watch it in two sittings if you have to. Uh, I'm not sure when, when would you, you would yeah. split the film. Do, 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 do. Uh, leave that with us. We'll have a think <laughs> yeah. about that. There's probably an article already, and it will be written up how to break it down into like a bingeable, you yeah. know, uh, TV series. So anyway, so that's in the cinema now. I think it's there for a three week run and it Brilliant. hits the cinema on the 20. Uh, sorry, it hits Netflix, I think, on the 29th. Um, Would you go see it again? Possibly. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and see it in the afternoon or the morning if you can um, would be the other recommendation. So the other film uh, that we got, so we got to see The Irishman together over the weekend. And the other one that uh, we got to see as well just over last week was one that got glowing reviews. Um, uh, Monos, which. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's directed by Alejandro Landis. Um, hot new talent. Hot new talent. His first kind of feature. He did. He seemingly did a film in twenty eleven, but I hadn't. Yeah, um, and comes up with all the like the next the next big thing, Guillermo del Toro, blah blah blah, and lots of these recommendations. Yeah, um, so it kind of centers around a group of young kind of teenage, early teens to late teens, but like you know, kind of the same like long, young children, who are a gorilla outfit, um, kind of remotely working and guarding a prisoner of war or a hostage um i, I imagine it's set in colombia to me i couldn't remember if it kind of they didn't, specifically uh, yeah i had to look that up because i wondered where it would have the mountains i've never been yeah. to south america and i wondered was it peru yeah. or colombia so like there's no mention i don't think from memory of fark gorillas or anything like this but i think this is kind of what it's getting at so julianne nicholson uh, plays a doctor and she has been uh kidnapped but it never really goes into too much detail and these band of eight kids are kind of looking after her and they have a commander who comes and runs drills with them at different times and then he disappears for weeks on end and then comes back to kind of check in with them so they're kind of moving their position from point to point and i suppose things take a downturn in kind of classic kid form they all it's one of their birthdays so they all kind of drink a bit too much party too much and then it just kind of spirals out of control from there what what age are they 
do you reckon? I would say 15 to like... Junior, junior, junior cert. Yeah. Transition year. To me, it kind of did bring back memories of like... Oh, I can't... Lord of the Flies and that kind of uh, stuff. Yeah, and he, he has said it's kind of maybe loosely based on that, but kind of like Irish films. Was there an Irish film called The Dollhouse or... And um, from a couple of years ago, in a house. Yeah, and they're kind yeah, of yeah, it kind of brought house. back that kind of wild. Kristen Sheridan, Dollars, yeah, I think, exactly, yeah. yeah. Brings that wild atmosphere of kids, kind of totally unaccountable, and no parents or anything, just kind of going wild. And then they realize quite quickly that they're really out of their depth, and they kind of have fantastic looks in their face where they're like, they know they shouldn't be doing this, and this is definitely wrong, but they're kind of caught into it. And then we have there's there's a character called Bigfoot who's played by Moses Arias and uh, he's absolutely terrifying in it. And then naturally he becomes like a de facto leader when stuff starts going wrong. And that's counterbalanced with um, Sophia Benaventura who plays uh, Rambo. And um, they're kind of a polar opposites throughout the film. And it kind of like the thing that stands out for me in this is the music, like the music and some fantastic directional choices at times. But overall it feels like it's, a bit art house paint by numbers in that oh yeah i get what you're trying to see say here it's not as if we haven't seen it before but i suppose the execution and the look and the sound of it is is quite original but to me the story isn't that one we haven't seen like lots of people are saying you know it harkens to apocalypse now and stuff like this yeah and, and the Werner herzog fitzcarraldo kind of stuff but um yeah, visually, it, like the Im- some of the images from it have really, really lodged themselves in there, in my head. Um, I was even thinking of a field in England. It just randomly. Oh yeah, yeah. Some of these mad films about being in in nature and things getting a bit weird. Yeah, there's yeah. a mushroom scene in this. Uh, right. Yeah, yeah. I didn't, no, no. I didn't dream this. No, no. We saw this late true. at night, and and that's kind of cool. But again, when you see that, you're just like, oh yeah, okay. Ah, yeah. Um, scene. And partly. Uh, yeah, well, I don't know. So where are you landing on a rating? Oh, I'd give it like a three. A three? Oh, I'd go a little higher. I'm a lot sure. of people are kind of raving about it, and I'm like, I'm not kind of digging it. One, like a tiny bugbear of a thing of mine, anytime I see it, I'm instantly like turned off by a film. It's when anybody starts doing wolf howling sounds outside in nature. I think there's a scene in um, Boyhood. And I'm just like, fuck off, do something else. Okay. It's like a tour de force phrase in, in journalism or film criticism. Like, pick something else. Like, just do something different, please. Fair enough. All right. Anyway, so that's Monos. That's still uh, showing in some cinemas. It's been out nearly two weeks at this point. Um, Just worth noting as well, we had a choice uh, last week whether to go to Doctor Sleep, the Shining sequel, or to see this. Um, I haven't seen Doctor Sleep and I probably won't see it. Some reviews have said, but it's it's two and a half hours, but feels kind of unnecessary. I think I'd only be going for a kind of production point of view. For anyone who doesn't know, The Shining is one of my favorite films, probably my actual favorite. And I'll eventually watch this, but it's just, it's not something I'm racing out to see. Did you ever read The Shining book? Uh, yeah. Okay. So this not yeah has more to it than that. And look, the film Kubrick Shining is very different to this universe, yeah, if yeah. we think about it too. So anyway. Sure. Um, out in the cinema this weekend, it's another Netflix-funded uh, film that's getting a brief uh, cinema outing, and it's Marriage Story. So uh, this is from director Noah Bombach, and it's him telling a story of, of, of divorce, basically. So he did that to great acclaim in his first big film, The Squid and the Whale, where we saw Jesse Eisenberg, one of the kids, affected by it. But this is mostly about um, 
the husband and the wife in the marriage dynamic. So we'll have a little clip from the trailer, which kind of cues you up in a way to think this is a lovely, happy story. And then music drops out. And anyway, So here's a little bit from Marriage Story. What I love about Charlie. Loving you. He loves being a dad. It's almost annoying how much he likes it. A little too he cries easily in movies. I cried four times. Me too. He's very competitive. What's this? Who owns Baltic Avenue? He's very clear about what he wants. He's a great dresser. Never looks embarrassing, which is hard for a man. Um, so there you have it. So that's Charlie, Adam Driver, and then Scarlett Johansson's Nicole. And in it, uh, now I've seen this, you haven't. I got, I got to a preview of it. And I have an eight-year-old Henry. Johansson is only playing a white woman. She's not like Asian or a man or something, uh, you know? No, she's playing okay, uh, cool. a kind of, they're New York theatre people. So Bombok is very much within his comfort zone there. Can't um, have another, whole, another internet Ferrari over no, Scarlett Johansson. No, Um so anyway, the it really, really deeply affecting, very, um, very sad more than anything, and just it breaks down like two people end up getting married, living somewhere, and then as the years go on, they start to reflect on are we in? Why did we even end up here? They have a very amicable separation at the start, and they plan to just maybe spend a bit of time apart, do all this without any outside interference, do whatever is good for Henry, and then. It gets a bit tricky because she moves back to California. His theater company is entwined with their kind of personal finances in New York. Um, and then they end up with lawyers. And this is where it all gets good crack. So the three lawyers that we, we get to see, um, Laura Dern is absolutely amazing in it, playing basically her big little lies persona. And then we also have Alan Alda, um, who is very good and actually very good at showing age on screen. So like, I don't know, does he Because have... he's old. Yeah, but does he have Parkinson's or something in real life? But there's points where he's kind of okay. like, you know, shaking quite a bit. But ultimately, yeah. it's not disgust. It's just someone who's older, but carrying on professionally. I thought it was great. Yeah. And then Ray Liotta um, is the other one. So oh, brilliant. Nod, nod back to Scorsese. So all very different kind of legal representatives, but all absolutely yeah. fantastic. So this is going to be an awards um, conversation. It's definitely, from my point of view, the best thing uh, Noah Bombach has done since Francis Ha, um, which was back in 2012. Um, and it's another Netflix film. It's going to be on Netflix in a couple of weeks. In a couple of weeks. So this is something you could watch at home um, in one sitting and get plenty from it. But if you can see it in cinema, it's definitely worth seeing because the two of them are just absolutely brilliant. And Adam Driver has that wonderful thing where you get a medal for getting two films out on the one day. He has, uh, this is out um this coming Friday from when we're recording it. And it's the other, it's not called The Notebook, but it's called The, obviously The Notebook, something else. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know what you're talking about. Sorry, yeah. I can't remember. So yeah. he has he has two films out in that one day. So that's kind of fun. Uh, another one then that I've been lucky enough to see recently, which you haven't got to, which is a bit disappointing, um, is Sorry We Missed You, which is Ken Loach's follow-up. I thought to... you were going to talk about Terminator. <laughs> no. Ken Loach's follow-up to I, Daniel Blake. So um, to anyone who doesn't remember that, that's a film from a couple of years ago. I think it won the Palme d'Or and or certainly something i can that year and that was about the the system systems of austerity and unfairness in the british welfare state and how it's very hard to get back on your feet and the government lets people down this is a story about a van driver so a look at the gig economy and how like austerity and you know lack of work standards i've kind of yeah on that. i've seen You've, the trailer for this and 
I wonder, is there an issue with this where it's <clears throat> kind of preaching to the converted? Where like a load of middle class people are going to watch this and go, Jesus, isn't this awful? People are getting treated like shit. Anyway, I'm going to go back and read the garden and read the Guardian and have yeah. a cup of tea. And then, like, oh, I know, but should how... he be doing more where he looks at, like, does it, I know it has the personal effect, but does he try and touch on the results that have caused this? Again, no, it's very much here. It's very similar to I, Daniel Blake. The two go side by side and it has the human impact of this kind of system. So like he, it's just interesting to see it now at a time where if Brexit kicks in, a big part of it would be that uh, working practices and standards, and you're a health and safety manager, Pork, you have a certain interest in it, are just going to get wiped out. So his job interview is like, is like, this isn't a job interview. This isn't a job. We will be working with you. You won't work for us. You'll have to hire your own services. You'll lease, blah, 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 blah. So he's not protected in any way. Um, but no, you do raise a good point. It's not going any broader about how we got to where we're going to yeah. Loach and writer Paul Laverty they've they sort of said that's not their job to, to yeah. tell the origin and, story yeah, or the outcome okay. of it um, it and, just seems like I'm not saying this story shouldn't be told or it's not a worthy story but it just seems like an easy like he's not really challenging himself by telling the story and I'm sure no one else really is telling this story maybe so that's yeah, no, serving his function but it's kind of like you you did this with I, Daniel Blake so Ah yeah but that's been his thing all along working class Britain stories and how that has evolved um, mm. but uh, anyway loved it everything about it but I did love I, Daniel Blake as well so you can see it watch it at home I'd say I'll try and catch it yeah. but I imagine it's quite sad Yeah, yeah. like his what his yeah so his wife is to to purchase his van he makes his wife get rid of her car and she is like an nhs care worker so a home carer and like those stories are heartbreaking as well because those are another, a whole other branch of people who've been kind of left left beside it's uh but it's good there's moments of of light and positivity and warmth and everything and it's not quite as good as i john and blake but then i did just love that film so okay that's it so grant i'm that's, gonna sorry we missed you that's the name of it because he's a courier that's ah, what they write yeah. cool uh, so I'm going to quickly touch on two films that I have seen and Nigel hasn't. Uh, the Last Black Man in San Francisco. It's directed by Joe Talbot. Uh, it's kind of his first feature. I think it's still shown in the Lighthouse and the iPhone. And in uh, Lighthouse and in Dunleary for, this, Dunleary for these few weeks. But Brilliant. I'd say it'll show up on some on-demand platforms soon. Yeah. Yeah. So I really enjoyed it. Um, it's set in San Francisco, obviously, as the title says. And it follows two friends, Jimmy Fails, um, who's also called Jimmy Fails. I had to look up that on IMDb. But then I was like, oh, so they all have their real names. But no, his friend, uh, his character name Montgomery Allen is played by Jonathan Majors. One and, when, of them, and when's it set? Uh, present day. Or potentially, now that you say that, do people have phones in it? Yeah, maybe it could be the late 90s, early 2000s. But I want to think it's present day. So the reason it's called The Last Black Man is that uh, Jimmy Fields is constantly obsessed by this one house. And he keeps going back to it and there's white uh, inhabitants in it and he keeps going and touching it up and everything and they get mad at him to be like, get out of here. And it turns out that Jimmy's uh, grandfather built this house. And in this particular area of San Francisco, which is more kind of accustomed to uh, like uh, Asian Americans, he was the first black man in San Francisco it was seen when he came back from fighting in World War Two. He built this house himself and this kind of 
he was the first black man and it turns out that Jimmy might be the last black man. So it's almost like a kind of, there's so many different elements in it. It kind of reminded me of a Spike Lee film. And with Jimmy and uh, Montgomery kind of going around, they're almost like uh, waiting for Godot figures of just kind of going around and experiencing the environment, chatting to each other. There's a gang of like five friends on a street corner uh, who kind of come in and out like a like a Greek chorus or something who just interact with uh, Jimmy and Montgomery. It turns out eventually that um, they get access to the house and kind of start squatting in it. It doesn't really give too much away. And where it kind of lost me for it is uh, Montgomery is this kind of struggling artist. He's very good at uh, drawing caricatures and he's trying his best to put together a play. So he stages this play and to me it loses itself a bit there, but it kind of manages to bring it back strongly at the end. Um, so it's really, I think it's really worth seeing. It looks fantastic, has nice little oddities to it that would remind you of a Spike Lee film, but I think it's really worth seeing. Mm-hmm. Last Black Man in San Francisco. Yep. And the other one then that you saw that I unfortunately missed, this is a film that played in Galway Film Flat a year ago, I think. Um, Bait. Yeah, so um, apparently the IFI weren't, like it wasn't and on any radar. this can't be seen anywhere. Like, no, this is, this not is on kind Blu-ray, of unfortunate. So you'll have to look out for this. Yeah, maybe it'll pop up on Volta or I doubt it'll turn up on Netflix, but you never know. It might ter- turn up on Volta or it's a good stocking four, filler probably for, film, for Christmas. Film 4. Yeah, for any uh, film fan. Well, Film 4 is now on all four. You get a lot oh. of free, you got a films for free uh, viewable on all four. Brilliant. So I'd say it might end up there at some point next year. Cool. Uh, so it's directed by Mark Jenkins and it's really just uh, it's black and white film about 80 minutes oh, set lost me there. in uh, Cornish Cornwall or Cornish village uh, in England and it's kind of about the migration of the, the posh folk from London to the seaside town over the summer and how they just uh, one says they bring everything with them all their food and everything and then just leave and don't put anything into the local economy and it's between two brothers we've got martin and stephen and their father has recently died and martin is kind of keeping on the tradition of being a fisherman where stephen has turned the boat into like a tourist thing where like he brings stags and hens around the island to go sightseeing and the two of these are really conflicting uh, it was shot on a camera that can't record sound so all the sound is recorded after so when you watch it initially you're like this is a bit weird it's like a it's like a spaghetti western but you kind of forget about that and get into it really quickly um really really loved it only got like i wanted to kind of go and see it twice but the viewings were that it was in there it was only in for a week yeah i think which yeah. is cool um very good yeah mine is a completely polar opposite of that film my last little 30 seconds in this is a film that was very disappointing to be quite honest terminator dark fate came out and um yeah like just instantly forgettable big draw was it had the original sarah connors yeah exactly so um it just got i don't know i don't even really want to talk about it just something that it just it, it, everyone was like oh it's kind of like the the force awakens it revisits everything james cameron has given it the blessing and everything like that and yeah i just is there any idea when the new avatars are coming out um like, there is a date of like 2023 or something so really wow i thought so but i'm not really sure okay but yeah so deadpool director tim miller does terminator dark fate it is grand but it's just like Arnold schwarzenegger this hopefully will be the last terminator he's been in and it's sort of like they just pretended that all those other ones since okay. 1991 kind of didn't exist yeah and that is sort of interesting thing about it anyway uh, uh, looking ahead oh okay just a Where? final quick netflix nod uh, i finally got to see the laundromat uh, it's on netflix meryl streep 
Uh, kind of reminded me of The Big Short. Really watchable, 90 minutes, very odd. Lots of crazy cameos in it. Uh, David Schwimmer, etc, uh, etc. Et well worth watching. Check it out. Cool. Is Linda Hamilton in it? Sarah Connor? No. No. Oh, she's in terms. But there was a brilliant thing where I realised somebody was playing someone else and I didn't cop it. Like, you know the way um, there's a really famous film, uh, maybe The Lady Killers, where Star Wars Alec Guinness plays about 10 characters? That There was a situation like that in Laundromat and I did not figure it out until it was revealed to people. And I was like, what? How did I? I was very annoyed at myself. Yeah, I, I browsed past it there recently and was like, I don't really need to see this. So anyway, uh, looking forward to anything then from the next couple of weeks. Yeah, so my pick for November is Frozen 2. It's coming out on the 22nd of November. Um, went to see the first Frozen by myself as it's kind of a lark. Had something to do, you know, Cineworld, middle of the day, to a packed screening. And it was one of those moments 2014? where... 2014? Yeah, it could have been. Where the spoiler, if you haven't seen Frozen, uh, when the prince turns out to be a bad guy, the entire like audience audibly gasped. And I was like, oh, this is cool. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of curious to see how they mucked it up. Is it going to be as good as the first one? So Will the songs be as good? It's probably it. Yeah. Um, out a week later is Knives Out, which is Rian Johnson's kind of um, Agatha Christie style caper murder oh, we mystery saw the thing. Oh, that the other night. Yeah. So Chris Evans, Daniel Craig, Jamie, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, Michael Shannon, Tony Collette, uh, Lakeith Stanfield, uh, Don Johnson, uh, lots of people like that are in there so um it looks mad and actually is meant to be very good and he's an looks incredibly good, fun, kind of good director yeah um, having killed star wars in the episode eight um he does have like like a looper and brick in his thing but even still i don't know uh so that's it um from me and then i don't know anything else in the realm of dublin cinema life we we see we hear that there is going to be a new cinema opening on God, I've forgotten the name of the street now. Drury Street now. Uh, behind, no, off Nassau Street, whatever. <laughs> Nassau Street. Yeah, but it's it's on that road that we've gone. Anyway, it's First City Centre, uh, near not, the National yeah. Library and everything like that. I have a mental block, should have written this down. There's lots but of the Everyman happening. Group, who, oh, who run good. these, they have about 28 of them across uh, the United Kingdom, are launching this one. So, smallish cinema, I think holding maybe 50 or 70 people, so barely a cinema, a bit closer to that pretty shite cinema in Ranala. No, the Ranala Stella is I have kind of liked it. It's it's great to go to by yourself. Uncomfortable seats, charging double whack. Double whack monies. I'm not into it at all. Compared to the main the people in a, the main the pe- Rathmines, yeah, which is the Rathmines one is lovely. The kind of people who go to the one in Ranala can well afford to pay twenty quid to go and yeah. see it. Like I've never seen anyone in there under the age of thirty four. Yeah. So um, anyway, I, it, it's exciting and again brilliant to just get different opportunities for different seeing different films in different mm. environments with different kinds of people, you know. Um, but you'll never beat going to Cineworld and Cineworld not... could do with a facelift. Yeah, it? ah, it's really fallen to pieces. But anyway, and yeah, so I guess we're going to come back in couple of weeks we're going to do a little bit of a de- best of the decade wrap up we'll do a best of the year wrap up we'll do a december films and star wars wrap up so we'll have a couple of podcasts in the next uh six weeks coming your way and just to wind up uh we're going to look back considering joe pesci might be in the conversation for oh um, yeah who's going to get best supporting will anna paquin get a best supporting actress 
from the Irishman. Yeah. I, I'm not sure. She doesn't have any lines. So Thanks it'll be interesting will. to see which of them. Joe Pesci should get one. Yeah. Yeah. Like our Al Pacino. I haven't even De Niro. looked. So we're completely under research yeah. on this. So I don't know what the odds are. Our Al Pacino but to break and De Niro. Down, they, could they both be lead? Or does Al Pacino de facto have to be supporting? I imagine they wouldn't put both in for lead. I, uh, I'd say Al Pacino, they could argue, is a supporting. Even though he probably has two and a half hours screen time. But, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. Um, thing occurred to me as well, a random thing before when I was doing the prep for this. You remember a couple of years ago, everybody started trying to pronounce Martin Scorsese's name Scorsese. Scorsese. And okay. it kind of went for a couple of months where everybody said Scorsese. Maybe it's when Silence <laughs> or The Wolf of Wall Street come out, but everyone now has gone back to saying Scorsese. Okay. Um, anyway. And here's a famous film from Martin Scorsese. Uh, a, bit, a little bit from Goodfellas. So this is Joe Pesci, that that scene, funny. You know exactly what we're talking about. So we'll chat to you in a couple of weeks. What do you want to tell me now, tough guy? I said, Ming, what are you doing here? I thought I'd tell you to go fuck your mother. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was going to shit. How, <laughs> Ping? Oh, oh, fuck is... Hey, I wish I was big just once. <laughs> You're a big cop. That's really funny. That's really funny. Uh-huh. What do you mean I'm funny? <laughs> it's, it's funny, you know. It's a good story. It's funny. You're a funny guy. <laughs> what do you mean? You mean the way I talk? What? It's just, you know, you, it's, you're just funny. It's, you know, the way you tell the story and everything. Funny how? I mean, what's funny about it? Tommy, no, you got it all wrong. It's... Oh, Anthony. He's a big boy. He knows what he said. What'd you say? Right. Funny how? Just, what? Just, you know, you're, you're funny. <laughs> you mean, so? well, let me understand this, because I, you know, maybe it's me, I'm a little fucked up, maybe. But I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you. I make you laugh. I'm here to fucking amuse you. What do you mean funny? Funny how? How am I funny? I'm not just... You know how you tell a story? What? No, no, I don't know. You said it. How do I know? You said I'm funny. How the fuck am I funny? What the fuck is so funny about me? Tell me. Tell me what's funny. Get the fuck out of here, Tommy. <laughs> you motherfucker. I almost had him. I almost had him. Stuttering, yeah, stuttering prick yet? Frankie, was he shaking? I wonder about you sometimes, Henry. You may fold under questioning. <laughs> I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Take one.